0: fireside phantoms fans we hope you check out this podcast called the identity podcast it's a bi-weekly foray into the weird wonky and sometimes downright spooky Join the host, Janine Mercer, as she leads you down the twisted pathways of history and tackles tales of the paranormal, weird historical people and practices, and so much more. The Identity Podcast, a proud member of the Pod Moth Media Network, can be found on Twitter and Instagram, at IdentityPod, and is available wherever you binge your podcasts. Enjoy.
1: Good evening. Good evening and welcome, friends. So, Holly is wearing a unique artifact. I am. Tell me about that artifact around your neck. My mom gave it
0: to me. Tonight? Just uh, for our recording? No, she gave it to me a long time ago and I forgot that I had it. And today, because I'm wearing all black. <laughs> Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I had to go to work today. And so it's the only time. So it was a funeral because you had to go to work today. (laughs) It's the only time during the week anymore that I dress up because I work from home the rest of the time. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll wear my my black dress. And some of my coworkers were teasing me about it today. They're like, it looks like you'd be going to a funeral or to a cocktail party. We don't even know. (laughs) I I know, right? So it's just a a basic black dress. I have a crucifix necklace on. And and it's not upside down. No. And it's pretty. It's got. It's beautiful. Like a turquoise and a purplish pink and I then... might take a picture of that. What Carol and I have to talk about tonight, I thought it was appropriate because it's gonna protect me from the evil we're gonna fill your eardrums with. That's right. <laughs> 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 way to way to introduce the show, Holly. <laughs> no, but actually this is kind of a, a love story we're gonna talk about tonight. Right? Okay, good. Yeah. It is. It's a it's a beautiful
1: love story about the very first paranormal investigators. Ed and Lorraine Warren, because they've had such a fascinating career as as um, demonologists. So. They
0: really have, and they are the original uh, Mulder and Scully. That's right. I like to think about them like that, except that they're both believers. <laughs> Neither are skeptics. Let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about their personal backgrounds, how they met and how they got started, I guess, in their um, paranormal investigating. And then I think Carol's going to take us um, down the road of a couple of their cases. The name of the documentary I got most of my research from is The Devil's Road, the true story of Ed and Lorraine Warren. It's on the Travel Channel and I highly recommend it. Ed Warren was born on September 7th, 1926 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I just want to point out, both Ed and Lorraine were born in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And this is important because if you're going to be a paranormal investigator in the United States That's of America, where you want to be. That's exactly. New England is exactly where you want to be because that is probably where the oldest houses structures are. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong about this, but my assumption is the oldest housing structures are going to be in that New England area. So if you're going to have ghosts, they're most likely going to be attached to those those houses and dwellings and stuff
1: like that. So It was their destiny.
0: Ed was a believer from the get-go because he actually grew up in a haunted house. He said that at night he would hear his closet door open and he would see the face of an old woman peer out at him which would be enough to scare the pee out of me.
1: Unless it was his mom. I don't think it was his mom.
0: <laughs> she, he said she came from the closet. That's the worst. Unless his mom stayed in his closet, which is even more creepy. <laughs> more creepy to think about. <laughs> anyway, this woman's face would peer out at him, and then he said a, um, she would be on her face would be on, the, on a ball of light, and the ball of light would come out of the closet and into his room, and it would make everything icy cold, and you could hear breathing and footsteps. Lorraine Rita Moran, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, M-O-R-A-N, Lorraine Rita Moran was born January 31st, 1927, also, like I said, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. She learned from an early age that she could see lights around people's heads, which she thought was normal and everyone could see. She found out in her private Catholic girls school that the nuns didn't like it when she talked about their auras. and <laughs> She got shamed for it yeah. pretty hard. So she kind of just shut down a little bit um, to it. But she always had a psychic ability and she was aware of it at a pretty young age. I think she was a teenager. Ed, when he was 16, he got a job at a movie theater And it was the same movie theater that Lorraine and her mother would go to every Wednesday night to see a movie. That is where they met, which I think is really sweet. Star-crossed lovers. Yeah, (laughs) brought together by the silver screen. So they became friends, and eventually they started to date. When Ed turned 17, he left town to join the Navy, and he and Lorraine stayed in touch via writing letters to each other back and forth. How romantic. Very sweet. Very 1950s you know love story yeah
1: today they'd just be texting all the time <laughs> texting probably sex
0: pics okay <laughs> Josh don't put that in that's disrespectful don't no put that in. that's
1: just that just happens you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> well Car- carol clearly has um experience with this no <laughs> i'm <laughs> so, just a realist yeah ed leaves for the navy when he turns 17 they stay in touch via letters When he is in the Navy during World War II, the boat that he was on collided with another ship in the New York Harbor, and he was forced to jump into the water. So he swam over to one of his buddies who was in distress to help him from, stop him from drowning. But suddenly he found himself and his buddy were both surrounded by fire that was feeding off the gasoline that encircled them. How terrifying. So he swims over to get his buddy, and then, I think the buddy couldn't swim, and he was gonna pull him away, but then he's like, "Where do I take him to?" There's fire everywhere I look. So he prayed to um, the Mother Mary. <laughs> I think it was the Mother Mary. Let
1: me just double check that.
0: Yes, the Blessed Mother. I'm sorry.
1: The Blessed Mother. He Isn't prayed. that Mother
0: Mary? I think they're all the same person, <laughs> but I'm not. I don't want to say that for sure, and then find out I'm wrong and I'm in hell. So he prayed, prayed to the Blessed Mother for help, and he said, "Suddenly the." Gasoline rain around them with all the flames opened up and the Coast Guard pulled their boat in and got them out of there.
1: Wow, a miracle. He
0: says it felt like a miracle and that that really solidified his faith in God. He really felt like um, the Holy Spirit and the Blessed Mother and Jesus and all of them had his back that day and got him out of the sea. So because of that experience, he um, got some leave from the Navy. I guess they give leave to people who were going through traumatic events. So he goes home to Connecticut and proposes to Lorraine. Aww. And he only has a couple of hours to do this. He's like, let's get married right now. And she's like, I'm, I'm down. The two were married May 22nd, 1945. They were both 18 at the time. They had their one night honeymoon. And just uh, after that happened, Their daughter, Judy, was born. So Just like that. Just like that. There's a couple months involved. We're not going to get into the details. (laughs) Or count them. (laughs) Or count them. (laughs) Ed goes off. He finishes his service in the Navy. He gets done. He comes back. He and Lorraine and Kathy are... Why do I keep wanting to call her fucking Kathy? It's Judy. (laughs) I don't know what my problem is tonight. Her name is Judy. So... Ed comes back from the Navy. (laughs) Kathy's a very pretty name, though. I wouldn't mind. (laughs) I do not know why that's in my brain. It's so weird. Okay, so Ed (laughs) goes off, comes back from the Navy. He comes home, and him and Lorraine and Judy go start their lives together. And both he and Lorraine were actually pretty good at painting. They liked to paint um, portraits of houses and landscapes, and they'd sell it to the tourists that would come into town. Um, They would sell their paintings for 3 to $5 per painting, which I guess back in those days was pretty decent money. So that's how they made their living. But what Ed really wanted to do was to paint haunted houses. Nice. He was still pretty fascinated by haunted houses because of his experience as a kid, I think. Mm -hmm. And also what happened to him in the Navy with what he felt like he was being saved by.
1: You know, Mm -hmm. God. So He was kind of on a spiritual quest. Yeah,
0: he was on a bit of a spiritual quest. So he apparently would find articles written in the newspaper of people that had said that they had haunted houses, which I thought was interesting that they would actually even run articles like that in the paper back in those days. Like, would anyone really take that seriously? Mm -hmm. But he would find these newspaper clippings, write down the address. They go find the address, and then he would paint the house he even paint little ghosts into the like the painting. I love it. Which is cute. And then because Lorraine was such a charming personality, he'd give her the painting to take up to the homeowners. She'd knock on the door. She'd be like, and then they'd open the door, and she'd be like, Hello, sir. My name is Lorraine Warren. And me and my husband just love your house. Anyway, we heard that it was haunted. And <laughs> Ed went ahead and painted this painting for you, and we were just wondering if you would like to have it. We just are really fascinated by haunted houses. And then the homeowner would be like, I'm sorry, but what'd you say your name was again? Oh, I'm Lorraine Warren, and there's this haunted house painting of your house, and we just wanted to know if you could tell us about your experiences. And uh, you here alone, or is your husband with you? Yeah. No, my husband's in the car. <laughs> That's probably more like it, Ollie.
1: Well, I can oh. show you the bedrooms if yeah. you'd like a tour. Okay. Just come right on in, sweetie. I guess you can come And
0: Does your husband have to? Yes, Ed! Ed, he said it was okay. Ed, come on. Let's go inside. So anyway, this little racket was charming mm. and cute, and it got them into a lot of haunted houses, and they learned a lot of information about what these people were experiencing.
1: Because they just engaging them in conversation yeah one thing led to another They and-
0: were the first mm-hmm. social media experts it's like they mm-hmm. were the first people on Twitter or Instagram. they're the first one to tap you on the shoulder online and say let's be friends. We heard you have a haunted house That's then, impressive yeah it's pretty good right mm-hmm. It worked like a dream and I'm sure these people going through the stressful situation were just happy to have someone to talk to about it somebody who wanted to hear their story because back in those days most people don't want to hear about that like they think you're weird. And here's a couple that's genuinely interested in what you're going through, right?
1: Yeah, and they are compassionate people, so yeah. they want to understand what you're going through. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's how they got started. Um, One day they went to this house up in New Hampshire called the Ocean Born Mary House, which was supposedly like super haunted. And they stopped to chat with the owner, Louis Roy. He brought them into the house. As Ed and Louis were talking, they looked over at Lorraine, and she was in like a strange catatonic state. And this really freaked out Ed. He'd never seen her do this before. And he looked at Louis, and he goes, what is going on? And Lewis goes, Well, that's what happens to psychics when they come into this house. Oh, wow. So, that's, I think, one of the first times that they realized how profound her abilities were. Mm-hmm. And she said what happened to her during this moment in time was that she actually left her body and she was able to watch Ed and Lewis from above. And she knew after this experience, she did not have to fear death ever. But then all of a sudden, she snapped back into her body. So, she was able to leave her body. That's really
1: interesting because, uh, you know, I know when she went to school mm-hmm. that she also had an experience there where oh. they had planted some trees, um, but they were just like little seedlings. And one of the teachers was like, what are you looking at? Because she was like looking up in the sky. She goes, I'm looking at the tree. Oh, really? So she was seeing into the future. Interesting. And looking at the tree. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: Huh. And... She remembers that time and the teacher just not liking that at all. No, I'm
0: sure if it was a Catholic nun, she was probably like, are you a heretic? Yeah, no.
1: So she, you know, I think she started kind of understanding that she was very different. Yeah,
0: I think it became aware. She became aware of it in her Catholic school because she didn't realize that not everybody could do this. Mm -hmm. She thought it was normal. I think a lot of psychics find that out
1: later Yeah, and they call her a light trance medium. Yes. What does that mean exactly? um, So
0: a light trance medium, I'm glad you asked that because I do talk about that a little bit later on, um, is when you're getting a psychic download, but you're consciously aware, you're awake the whole time and you can understand what you're getting and you're... You know what's going on in the room around you and the people around you while you're getting the information. Yeah. Versus a deep
1: trance medium, which is when you're completely unconscious. Thank you, because I I talk about deep trance mediums and I didn't know the difference. That's the difference. Okay. Deep trance is they're completely
0: unconscious and something's being channeled through them and speaking, but they're not aware of what they're doing. Okay. So it's like during seances and stuff like that. Ed and Lorraine kept doing this, and as they did, they started to build a reputation for themselves as the people you call if you find out there's something weird going on in your house. They became the first paranormal investigative team there was. So when they would go on these investigations, Ed would record the video and interview people on the audio in an effort to provide evidence that these hauntings or demonic possessions were real and to make a case to get the Catholic Church involved in cleansings and exorcisms. The Warrens' daughter, Judy, said her parents would always go when they were called and they never asked for money from any of the people that they helped. That's right. They worked really well together as a team because of Lorraine's psychic abilities. Whenever they were called to a location to investigate, she would attune to the the location to see if she could even pick up on anything that was off. And that's kind of what they would use as a gauge to know. If they were dealing with a legit haunted house or not, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what how they worked together. And then of course, if she was like looked at Ed and said, "Ed, we got a live one," you'd be like, "Okay, let's get to work." And then he would he studied the demonology and stuff to um, work on the house, and she would do the sort of spiritual energetic cleansing part of it. I think that they first really got into this big time or their their careers really started to blow up in the early 1970s with, I believe, the Annabelle doll. But, Carol, do you know more about that?
1: I do. So um, I got a lot of my information from the book The Demonologist, The Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren. In one of the most famous cases, like you were getting ready to talk about, mm-hmm. was the story of Annabelle, mm-hmm. Yeah, who is the name of a haunted Raggedy Ann doll. There were many mistakes Ed claimed that the owner of the doll and her roommate made that caused this demon entity to manifest. Uh, one was they would wear black and a crucifix necklace. No, I'm just <laughs> joking. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, Holly, that's not what it was. was but um, <laughs> those, those who don't know the story... Uh, I'm just going to give you a brief overview. Two nurses who were roommates mm-hmm. were tormented by this huge raggedy Ann doll, which was described as being the size of a regular four-year-old child. That's a big doll. And get this: the doll was given to one of the nurses, Deidre, by her mother as a gift. Thanks, mom. Yeah, Ed was like, "Why would you give her this gift?" And Deidre was like, "Well, my mom just thought it would look cool as like a decoration in my apartment." People, mistake number one, do not give dolls as gifts. No. Just stop it, Holly. Don't give people dolls
0: as gifts. What if it's already haunted and you're disclosing that up front? Because the doll I gave you for Christmas, I said, not, look, not, that doll is already Then
1: that's on evil. me. That's my fault. <laughs> but she, she's put away, though. She's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. she's... You told me this doll was supposed to protect me against all the evil.
0: Well, you, she does for the month of October. So we're she talking comes about out, Lily doll. Yeah. She comes out in October and, you don't know, keep her in your bedroom because she'll <laughs> do things to you at night. But if you keep her in your house, she will protect you from other evil spirits. <sighs> well, let's hope so.
1: <laughs> at first, Ed thought someone had a key to their apartment and were just playing a sick joke on the girls by moving the doll around and such. But they consistently set up ways to tell if someone was entering any windows or doors in the home. And nothing was disturbed to signal an outside intruder. So, mistake number two. The two girls decided to have a seance. Of course they did. Stupid. They invited a deep trance medium. (laughs) (laughs) And learned the spirit was a little girl who died nearby in the fields on the property before the apartments were built. The little girl asked if she could live in the doll and stay with them. So at that point, because they felt sorry for her, they accepted her into their home and invited her to stay with them in the doll. The third mistake was when they found chocolate lying on a table and talked to it by giving it a name, the doll, I mean, (laughs) Annabelle. And by accepting this chocolate as a gift, in a a sense, it was making a bargain with the spirit. Well, duh, Holly, who's going to Who's gonna turn down chocolate? I mean, that's
0: a pretty hard bargain to walk away from. That's a smart demon. <laughs> chocolate for your soul? I'm pretty sure
1: I've made that deal about a thousand times I already. I think these demons are smart. Are. And Ed said these girls were duped into believing this demon was, in fact, a little seven-year-old girl suffering. But they're lies, Holly, all lies. Lies. So the Warrens were convinced if they hadn't intervened, one of them would have been killed within the year.
0: Or possessed. Mm -hmm.
1: Because you're right. Ed said the demon's ultimate goal was to possess one of them, not the doll. Ed always brings in a trained priest. And the reason is that he said once you confront these kinds of entities, they will forever tend to follow you. Your entire life and those you love will be forever in danger. So you can't ever fully get away from them? You can't. As an example, Lorraine said in an interview that after the Amityville Horror Investigation... They felt an evil presence follow them clear across the country and it took many weeks to be fully rid of it. Wow. This is why they remove any objects from the home that are associated with the hauntings. Oh, okay. Cuz they
0: think it's got some kind of residual evil yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But but you might ask yourself, why would they want to keep these things around if yeah. they are a danger? Yeah. Well, Ed's admitted it's it's a risk, especially for Lorraine, who is sensitive and can sometimes be influenced by the spirits due to her abilities. But he said they had the means to keep the demonic at bay, which is why they lock up these objects in glass cases Mm -hmm. Um, and they have their demonology museum. Right. Yeah. They
0: keep all that stuff down there, which I suppose it's better in their hands than somebody else's where it could be actually hurting
1: people. That's right. Mm -hmm. And um these spirits have been nicknamed evil geniuses because of, of the strategy it involves in its hauntings. Some of the specific things demonologists look for are the spirits unusual knowledge. So these demons, Ed says, knows your entire life. Like the cat that can
0: ask about the dead brother.
1: They know <laughs> Yes. Yeah. In our in our story, the, of house, on the house on Lindley Street. Yeah. These demons will know your entire life. Past present, and to some degree, the future. Wow. In fact, he states that the first thing the demon will say when he starts working with the possessed is, Ed Warren, I know who you are. (laughs) How freaking creepy is that? That is creepy. And ghosts or spirits will have only the energy to lift objects or move items weighing under just a couple pounds, but demons... Demons can move and shake entire houses. Wow! They will throw about furniture as if it is a pile of leaves. Yeah. In the case of the Perrin family haunting, which was what the first Conjuring movie was based on, and they just we we totally are agree how scary that it's really
0: scary i watched most of it with my eyes shut it is a scary ass film
1: so well done yeah well the warrens really got in over their head and made matters worse for the family a lot of people have been critics of them in this particular case in rhode island on january 1971 the parent family moved into the old arnold estate a historic farmhouse with 200 acres 14 rooms and even a barn plenty of room for their five daughters Big family. Mm -hmm. They should have known, though, that something was wrong. When the former owner came to drop off the keys and caution them, you might want to leave the lights on at night. In 1973, the Warrens culminated their investigation, which lasted over a year and a half, with a seance that went terribly wrong. Oh, man. Andrea Perrin, the eldest daughter, said up until that seance happened, she did not believe in the existence of demons. She believed in ghosts, but not demons. The Warrens had invited a deep trance medium and a Catholic priest to attend. She saw her mother attacked by some invisible entity, Mm. levitating her out of the chair while curling her up into a tight ball and throwing her across the room. Wow. It was unnatural because the human body could not possibly bend in that way without breaking bones. That sounds terrible. And yet, somehow, her mother was folded up like a piece of trash. Mm. The Warrens had previously determined that the farmhouse, which the parents had purchased, had eight generations of one family living and dying on the property. Some of them had horrible deaths involving suicides and even a murder of an infant. All of that should be disclosed
0: in your real estate contract, in my opinion. And yet it isn't. (laughs) No, it isn't. (laughs) I want a federal law that says every state has to have a disclosure of who's died in those houses.
1: Go, listeners, go. (laughs) You have a mission. That's right. The energy was mostly from deceased human spirits that were all coexisting in the home. But the Warrens both agreed that whatever was allowed in to communicate during that seance was something entirely different. Mm. It was said by the eldest daughter, Andrea Perrin, that for a while, whatever happened at the seance seemed to subdue the other spirits. But that evil entity that was let in especially influenced and targeted her mother. Carolyn Perrin, the mother, said to her husband, if she stayed one more year in the house, she would die. Wow. She would be dead. That's like, intense. She, kn- she knew her life was being wasted away. So
0: she thought she'd die of, like, quote, unquote, natural causes or that the thing was going to murder her, like, pushing her off a cliff or something.
1: Well, I think she was just wasting away. Just wasting Like, away. she was just, like, all of her essence was being yanked drained. out of her. She was being drained mm-hmm. to death. Ugh. Kind of like a dementor. Yeah. Yeah. From Harry Potter. Sucking. I'm her sorry, soul Holly. Out. I've got to bring that up. <laughs> so I do think some of these earlier cases for the Warrens were just, you know, they were experimenting and in some ways they did make things worse before they got better. Uh, because, you know, they, it was a learning process for them. I think in the total of their career, they had about 10,000 cases.
0: Wow. That's a lot of
1: cases. That they interviewed. Yeah.
0: How is this stuff not more mainstream? I don't
1: understand. It just wasn't reported on. and But even today, I think there's a lot more than we hear about. Right. The Warrens have stated that from their experiences, these entities should never be trusted as they will pretend to be benevolent victims of their circumstances. Mm -hmm. But in fact, they're just trying to trick the human in allowing it to have control. And this is why even those with the strongest of mind and courage can easily be possessed or victimized by a demon. Ed gives an example of one case where he was trying to free a lady in her mid-50s of being tormented by an evil entity. During a session with trying to expel the demon, they involved a Catholic priest and a deep trance medium who was able to speak directly with the entity. The spirit claimed to have been an angel and kept talking in a very soft falsetto voice and switching to many foreign languages to keep them confused. Ed started to command it to tell him why it chose to be here, and the spirit answered, I am under the power. Ed asked, Whose power? It answers back, a white light. Ed, sensing this bullshit, (laughs) threw down his crucifix on the table and asked it, describe yourself, at which point this spirit supposedly screamed hysterically and said, in truth, he was a wicked, ugly thing, describing itself as vindictive with a tail and long claws burnt and black with hair all over well, that sounds like a chupacabra. That's doesn't what I was it? gonna say. Stop
0: sharing my brain.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew that was about you. I could tell your lips were forming yes, chupacabra. I chupacabra. I know you were. I got you, Holly.
0: But most—you <laughs> beat me to it.
1: <laughs> but most of the time, these entities would only give them the name Legion when asked. But in other cases, they would have specific names, and it would lie at first, saying its name was Fred or Janus, but if you kept persisting and challenging it, you most likely would get a name like Asmodius Fornius, Gaius Aurelius, Tiberius or Caligula. No. <laughs> Those are former Roman emperors. I was going to say, that's <laughs> a lot of us's in there. <laughs> They're actually Roman emperors. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know my Roman emperors. Maybe I should except study for, up. Except for Asmodius, Fornius. Those are actual <laughs> demonic names, but the rest were Roman emperors. But you get my point. Fornicadius, yeah, um, <laughs> Salatius. And there's some thought maybe <laughs> some of the Roman emperors were demonic. But anyway, okay. difficult to pronounce is my point. And you really shouldn't even say the name out loud. It has that much power, so this should be a clue with what you're dealing with. Okay.
0: Hey, Fireside fans, we would love to tell you about a contest that we have going on with another local Portland company called Oracle Soapery. Oracle Soapery makes bath bombs. Carol, tell us about their bath bombs.
1: Yes, uh, they are wonderful. They create paranormal and other really cute bath bombs so cool. that you can use. We are giving away an alien bath bomb, very cute, and the cutest witch's cauldron that looks like it has a potion in there. It's, it's all awesome. green. And- yeah. Um, I've seen these bath bombs when you use them and it just comes out into this like mystical, sparkly, fun nice uh, soap that's good for you. You can have a you. mystical
0: paranormal bath experience.
1: You can. And it's great because it's vegan soap. So no animals were harmed. And the owner, Jordan Snyder, is just right outside Portland, Oregon. So that's he's great. local to us. Hi, Jordan. Please go visit his website. It's at oraclesoapery.com. And also follow him on Instagram.
0: So yeah, so what we thought we could do is that uh, he's going to donate um, a couple of these great bath bombs. Carol and I are going to throw in a free tarot reading for whoever would like it. All you have to do to win these prizes is to follow both of us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms and at Oracle Soapery. When we post about this contest, all you have to do is like the post and tag two of your good friends in the comments. Tags are unlimited. You have three days to do this, and we will pick a winner at random. So go ahead and enter. You could win these uh, bath bombs for the witch or the alien in your life.
1: Good luck. Good luck. Ed Warren passed in 2006 before the making of the very profitable and successful Conjuring movie franchise. Lorraine was consulted by the writers and director regarding the first two films, and she agreed that most of the films were very accurate. The parent family whom the first movie was about was also very supportive of the movie, the older daughter saying it was all true. Lorraine has since passed in April of 2019, but she did give some final interviews, which focused primarily on these movies' success. When asked if it is important to know the spirit's name, she said, no, they're all like mosquitoes. There are so many of them. (laughs) And yet when you encounter them, they act like they're really important, a bouncer in hell kind of role. So the interview asked Lorraine, if someone tried to battle the demon and were Christian, could they win? Lorraine said she thought it was more the faith in the power of divine protection is what is important, not a specific religion. Mm. She said the majority of their cases were not publicized and involved her main mission as just trying to get the departed spirit to go toward the light and leave the earthly realm. You know, if you think about all the cases that they had, Mm -hmm. really the ones that we hear about are the very demonic, scary ones. They're the darkest ones, right. But she said no, that most of the ones they did were... Human spirits. That were
0: just trapped here. Well, that's good that... um... there are less demons and more just trapped human spirits
1: (laughs) that should give you some
0: (laughs) there's some comfort for you to sleep with there you go guys (laughs) see we're a positive (laughs) podcast we're a positive podcast we We only talk about trapped human ghosts on earth there you go that's not not that many demons there's probably per demon there's probably a hundred thousand trapped human ghosts So you are actually, a couple weeks back, told us about The House on Lindley Street, which is another famous Ed and Lorraine Warren case. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the first case they were on that got really blown up in the media, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's believed because The Exorcist had just come out, so the paranormal was a big topic in pop culture, and all those crowds gathered around 966 Lindley Street. Um, so anyway, you talked about that in episode 65, so if you guys want to hear more about The House on Lonely Street, go back and listen to that. I don't believe there was a movie made into that story, but I bet there will be at some point. Mm-hmm. Was there a
1: movie? I don't think so. I don't
0: think there was. Anyway, But um, so they were investigating the house on Lindley Street, but then, of course, that got overshadowed by the mother of all haunted houses, Amityville. Right. Which I also covered that one on um, episode 39, so you guys can go back and listen to that one, because it's um, a big, long, gnarly story. But the Warrens got sucked into that That was in Long Island, New York, in the town of Amityville. Um, I know most people know that story. I won't go into great detail. But there was a murder that happened where an entire family was killed by the oldest son. About a year later, another family moved into the house. They lived there for roughly 28 days, and then they left saying that the the house was severely haunted and they were terrified to stay. And that's at the scene for the Amityville Horror. This reporter at the time, Laura DeDido, was covering paranormal stories, which I think is kind of interesting. So, of course, she wanted to cover Amityville, and she knew the Warrens, and so she invited them to come to the house to check it out. Lorraine said that the Amityville house was so badly possessed that she said, quote, it was as close to hell as I ever want to get, end quote. Both Ed and Lorraine swear up and down that there was something very bad in that house, and they both got kind of sick in there. The cameraman got sick in there, and of course, um, it's probably the most famous haunted house on the planet. And it's had movies and books written about it. It's had a whole movie franchise made about it. So, yes, that one was another very big popular case in their career. And actually, even though they're not in the movies or the books, the Warrens, because they were associated with that case, as well as the House on Lindley Street... People started to figure out who they were and they became famous because they were paranormal investigators and nobody knew what that was. But everybody knew all of a sudden paranormal stuff was a big deal and Mm -hmm. everybody was paying attention to it. So after they got swept up in this paranormal craze, their phones started ringing off the hook. People were calling them to investigate their haunted house. Lots of people calling them for that colleges were calling them to to do lectures on college campuses to educate their students about the paranormal and more people were asking for them to make public appearances so their careers blew up and of course with fame comes a lot of skepticism and accusations of deceit and haters and haters which is how you know you've made it when you get trolls (laughs) (laughs) that's my my thinking anyway yeah they're starting to get a lot of people who are accusing them of being full of BS, essentially. So kind of to help counteract some of these accusations, Lorraine Warren agreed to be studied at UCLA by parapsychologist Thelma Moss and some other parapsychology researchers. They determined that Lorraine was indeed a light trance medium, which we had talked about earlier. She was found to be well above average in her abilities by this team. So she was studied by she scientists was legit. yeah she was studied by scientists and they came back and said yeah she she has abilities so that was kind of a feather in her cap to i guess combat some of the negative accusations of people that were hardcore science-based um whether or not that helped i don't really know but um so the warrens have been not just associated with amityville and the house on lindley street and the annabelle doll and the conjuring movies um there's been a lot of other cases that they have done and you guys i'm going to give you a real quick brief synopsis on a few of them and then i think at some point we will put up on our instagram a vote a vote to see which ones you want us to go on a deeper dive into because there's i mean we can do all of them at some point but what is the most exciting one what are the ones that you think are the most interesting i guess i'm going to say so minus um,
1: the two we've already done, right? Which we've is, already done those. We
0: did the house on Lily Street, and we did Amityville Horror. Those are two easy ones right off the ta- off the gate. But the rest of them are all up for grabs That's as far as right. we're concerned. So we have in 1974, the Warrens encountered the Smurl family of West Pitson, Pennsylvania. They were under attack by something in their home. They smelled strange odors, they heard voices, and they were yanked out of their beds and onto the floor and even experienced levitation all the way up to the ceiling. Oh, wow. Um, Once Ed and Lorraine were contacted, they were able to determine that the family was being haunted by four ghosts, including a succubus.
1: Oh, we know what those are. Mm -hmm.
0: It's a demon or a devil that attacks males physically and sexually. So, you know, something kinky was going on in that house. (laughs) But Jack and Janet Smurl even went on Larry King live to talk about their experiences in this house. Wow,
1: I'm impressed Mm -hmm. that Larry King would have this topic on his show. Larry Suspenders
0: King did. He had them on their show and they talked about their experiences in this house. So um, Ed and Lorraine were documenting it because they wanted the Catholic Church to come in and perform an exorcism, which I think they finally did. A TV film was made about this story and it was called The Haunted. It came out in 1991. In 1977, the Warrens investigated the Enfield poltergeist, which took place in London. It was a woman and two of her daughters and they were experiencing paranormal attacks in their home. Um, They said furniture and smaller objects were thrown at them. The girls would levitate and they would speak in deep masculine voices. And of course, a lot of people just thought that they were trying to get attention. But the activity was witnessed by a lot of police journalists and other witnesses. Ed and Lorraine found that it was a case of demonic possession. And the younger daughter did later admit that she had been playing with a Ouija board Uh just before the activity started. So this story is actually told in The Conjuring 2, the Enfield case. The next one was in 1981. This was the Arnie Cheyenne Johnson case. And this is kind of a crazy story. So in 1981, a 19-year-old man named Arnie Cheyenne Johnson stabbed his landlord to death after they had a dispute. So they took him away. They took him up in front of a judge. And the Mm -hmm. judge was like, okay, what do you plead? And he says, I plead not guilty by reason of demonic possession. A few months prior to this murder, Johnson's fiancé's little brother had been possessed by a demon. And the warrants had come in to help exorcise the demon from the boy. Okay. It is believed, because Johnson helped during the exorcism, that the demon jumped from the boy into Johnson. Oh, I think
1: I remember this. He, like, challenged the demon and said, stop hurting this little boy come after me instead right yeah so that's a direct invitation there you go and
0: so they believed the demon to jump from the child to him. And that's why when he had this dispute with his landlord, he murdered him because it was actually the demon at work in his body.
1: Wow! And the Warrens would agree with that? So the Warrens even
0: went on to the stand in defense of him and said, yes, the devil is real. And in fact, that was their whole purpose and mission in life was to let people know the devil is indeed real. You have to fear him because most people don't believe he's even real.
1: Right. So that must be what the third movie is going to be about yes the, the devil, devil made me do it made me do it coming okay. out
0: june 4th 2021 it's the third conjuring film yay and that's what it's based off of which is a pretty interesting story of course the judge doesn't believe any of this and he gets convicted he gets a 20-year sentence but he only serves about five years so ultimately it wasn't a, a life changer for him in, in a life sentence situation but he did try to say the demon inside of him made him Killed this man. So in 1986 was the Snedeker family of Southington, Connecticut, and this was a woman. She had a, a couple kids. One of her sons, the oldest son, was sick with cancer. They actually moved into an old house that used to be a funeral home. Oh. And I believe that the son with the cancer was staying kind of downstairs where all of the embalming and things took place of the bodies and all that creepy stuff. This woman Yikes. said the very first day she moved in, she started to mop the floors and the water in her mopping bucket turned blood red. Oh, my gosh! She said the lights would flicker off and on when there was no light bulbs in the light fixtures. <laughs> she said that her oldest son could hear the entity whisper his name. She said her knee. Niece experienced the entity when it would take its hand and go up under her shirt and along her back with its (gasps) hand. She could see it moving up her niece's shirt. Isn't that creepy? (laughs) After Ed and Lorraine's investigation, they determined that the house was diabolically possessed. They were able to get the church to do an exorcism of the home. During the exorcism, the niece was lifted up by her neck. And Ed Warren was attacked in his heart, and he had to leave the exorcism just to recover. So after the exorcism, Carmen, the woman, and her family left the house and never returned. And of course, this story was the basis for the movie A Haunting in Connecticut. So that one was also made into a film. As the Warrens' fame continued to grow and demands for their help grew, they started to train other people to be paranormal investigators. And in fact, a lot of them were interviewed in that documentary that I watched. So they have people out there who were trained directly by the Warrens who learned how to go to a house and kind of what to look for and how to investigate it and document it. They also created their own TV program so that they could tell others of the devil and that he is actually real. The name of their show was called Seekers of the Supernatural with Ed and Lorraine Warren, in which their son-in-law, Tony Sparra, was the host. Oh. And there's still episodes of this on YouTube, you can see. They also opened up their occult museum to the public, which is in the basement of their house, and that includes, of course, the Annabelle doll, as well as a lot of other artifacts and objects that are said to be haunted.
1: So scary, you know, that museum... Uh, nowadays after they're done it's interesting to note that it's under the care of a priest now oh interesting who every day blesses all the objects in the room with Mm. prayers and incense that's really cool could you imagine sleeping near all those things no no i can't believe they stored all that stuff in a room off their main house and will
0: the daughter and her husband ever be able to sell that house (laughs) because it's all that stuff's been there
1: i wouldn't want to buy it yeah, they can't even recycle those into new toys. No, they'd have to take it to the dump or something. No, you can't even take it to the dump. Where would you, where would you put it? I
0: think you'd have to burn Smith- it all. Smithsonian.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Smithsonian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I bet they come and take it. They'd be like, yeah, we'll take this stuff, sure.
1: You know what? They could put it in the Air and Space Museum, and next time they go to the moon... Leave it there with their their other garbage. Or go to Mars. Have a a Tesla take it up. Oh, that's
0: a good idea. So in 1989, this is the last case I'm going to talk about here. Ed and Lorraine found their first case, and I think their only case of lycanthropy. Oh, we know what that is. The supernatural (laughs) transformation of a person into a wolf as recounted in in folktales. There's a guy named Bill Ramsey from southern on-sea England, and he said that when he was a child, a strange rage came over him that caused him to upend an entire fence and gnaw on the barbed wire. Oh, England, stop <laughs> so, it with your scariness. That's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. So as he became, that was like the one time he experienced it as a kid, but as he became an adult, more strange events would take place. He suffered from night terrors. He would wake up in cold sweats. He would pant like an animal. He then started to attack his friends and the police. Ed Warren said that Ramsey was only about 5'7 and 150 pounds, but he could pick up men who were six feet tall and throw them around like they were kindling wood, quote, oh, like wow. they were kindling wood, end quote. Or a piece of trash. Or a piece of trash. Ramsey was hospitalized during these bouts of rage. He would bare his teeth. He would growl. He would hunch his shoulders, contort his face, and twist his hands into claws. Ramsey would even ask to be locked up in a jail cell to protect himself and the public. Oh, so he was self-aware. He was. It's pretty intense. So, of course, Anna Lorraine said, hey, come on over. Of course think, she did. We think you're interesting. We, we want, want to, to talk paint to you. you. We want to paint you. We want to hear your story. And he's like, oh, I'll be right there. You might wanna handcuff me to a chair. Oh, well, we got handcuffs, that won't be a problem. Okay, I'm on my way. (laughs) Furry ones. (laughs) (laughs) Furry handcuffs for your furry wolf-like nature. So anyway, he goes to their house and they bring over a bishop, Robert McKenna, and he goes ahead and performs an exorcism on him. And of course, Ramsey doesn't like this at first and tries to attack the priest, but eventually he does calm down and allows the ceremony to proceed. Since the exorcism, Ramsey has not experienced any more lycanthropy attacks. So apparently it worked. And I don't believe there's been a movie made about this yet. But of course, there's going to be because it's a werewolf. How could you not make a movie about this? You have to. You have to. It's in the Bible. I'm
1: pretty sure. It, It is. It has to be. Yes.
0: After Ed died in, I think, 2006... Lorraine's son-in-law, Tony, stepped up and really helped keep the Warrens' legacy going. He would accompany Lorraine and take over Ed's part in the college lectures. Eventually, Warner Brothers, as you said, bought the rights of Ed and Lorraine's stories and started making them into these movies. Um, And... Uh, Warner Brothers' uh, arm for horror films is New Line Cinema, and they just bought the rights to make The Demon of Brownsville Road, which I covered a few episodes back. So that will be fun. I'm really glad they're going to do that. That's really great. On April 18th, 2019, at the age of 92, Lorraine Warren passed away in her sleep. Judy said... Um, Judy, not Kathy. Judy said that <laughs> her after daughter. Judy, her daughter, said that after Lorraine passed away, that the undertakers told her they caught on camera orbs floating around her coffin all night.
1: Oh, that made
0: Judy very happy to hear. That is lovely. Yes. So, meanwhile, Tony, her husband, has taken over the family business. He does have the YouTube channel called NESPR, which stands for the New England Society for Psychic Research, which I believe is what Ed Warren founded. And now Tony is taking over um, running. And it is the official Ed and Lorraine Warren channel. Um, He's also going to have a Paracon in Waterbury, Connecticut, on October 30th, 2021, in which he plans, Carol, to have a separate room of haunted objects (gasps) and artifacts from Ed and Lorraine's museum. And yes, he's planning to bring the Annabelle Annabelle doll. Annabelle is going
1: to actually... How are they going to move her?
0: I don't know, but she's supposed to be there. So you know it's going to get a
1: ton of people because everybody wants to see that doll. Okay, guys, if you want Holly and I to go to this... And breathe on Annabelle's case. <laughs> you got to make that happen for us. I, I don't Anna know Annabelle's how because so. we don't have a donate button even. No, but you'll find no. a way. You'll I take owls. You'll... I take owls any day. Yeah, if flying. you can get a
0: homing pigeon and just drop some money, some yeah. hardcore cash yeah. to it. We'll we'll get there. We'll put um, Carol's address that on the internet. No, we to... will not. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> If you are in the New England area or anywhere in the world and you want to go to this, please do. I mean, I think I'd love to go to this. That would be wonderful. I am a little intimidated to see the doll, but if she's going to be there, you know it's going to be a magnet for people.
1: Yeah, and wear white with crucifix.
0: Yes, that's right. And bring a flashlight. And a flashlight and a Bible and some holy water. You should be okay.
1: Lorraine said after her husband passed, she went to commemorate at a special place he would take her, remembering his birthday on September 7th which was just a little over one year from the anniversary of his death in oh. August. Okay. Of yes. that year, of that year yes. before. Yes. I think he died like August 25th or 26th. Um, I had August 23rd, 2006.
0: Okay. There you go. And she died April 18th, 2019.
1: Yeah. So Ed used to always take her to breakfast at the Bluebird Restaurant in Easton, Connecticut, I believe. Cute. Yeah. She said when he was happy, Ed would always whistle especially when he painted his New England scenes and depictions of haunted houses. It's <laughs> so cute. Lorraine requested a table for two, even though she was alone. Is there such thing as a table for, for one? You can always fit two at a table, right? Yeah. Anyway, just a thought that crossed my mind. How much do you think their paintings would go for now? I, don't, I would buy one. I bet you they'd be worth a lot of money.
0: I wa- especially We've one... got to
1: find people who have them.
0: Yeah, especially one, the ones with ghosts in them.
1: Was he a good painter?
0: I mean, I don't, I'm not really
1: a good critique of art. I don't know. Lorraine requested a table for two, even though she was alone. After waiting a few minutes without any service, the owner of the restaurant came out to explain that the dishwasher got spooked earlier. Which is funny when he's talking to Lorraine Warren. It is. <laughs> <laughs> She's I guess, like, there's a spook in the dishwasher. Can I go see it? <laughs> I guess when the dishwasher came into work early, he heard someone whistling in the dining room while he was getting ready for the day in the kitchen. The man got so frightened, he called the owner and asked her to come down right away because he wasn't going to work there that day. (laughs) The owner said, do not leave. She would be right there. Disembodied whistling. Right. So the owner convinced the dishwasher to come out into the dining area and greet Lorraine, explaining to her in his own words what he experienced. Lorraine remarked, well... I guess Ed got here before I did. Oh. I think that is such a sweet story. But you know something else, Holly? Hmm. If I were a demon, that's exactly the very trick or playbook <laughs> I would use. I would show up at her favorite Touché. restaurant, pretend I'm Ed, and hey, don't you remember from one of our episodes, from the Whistler episode we had? Yes,
0: the Phantom Whistler.
1: Demons whistle.
0: Yeah. Oh shit, girl.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. He. Yeah. You might be right about that. That's pretty fucked up.
1: Yeah. But hey, guys, we want to tell you some exciting news. We're right now launching our YouTube channel. That's right. We and are. you guessed it. It's named? Fireside Phantoms. Yep, that's right. So we know we want to still engage with you here on this podcast, but if podcasts are not your thing or maybe somebody you know wants to hear us but they're not into podcasts, please tell them about our YouTube channel because we might not be there long because you know what happens there to the best paranormal videos. Uh, What happens? Their accounts are demonetized. Ah! (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah, thank you. She's going to be here all week. (laughs) Yeah, well, duh. I mean, duh. Okay, I'm going to record this all over <laughs> duh. <laughs> This is Duh, rough. Josh,
0: duh. Josh, this duh. is a Friday night after work, and we're both kind of like, what?
1: When they found a piece of chocolate lying on a table, <laughs> and they, they assumed it, and it, it was, was a gift from the doll. But actually, and, it was a demon cookie. All your life, I mean, <clears throat> and the reason, he, it ah, family moved into the old Arnold estate, uh f- <laughs> hairball <laughs> oh, oh stop it. are you ready to go okay what did two, i say
0: 2016 i thought what did you mean to say
1: oh i don't know let's just say let's just throw in a number there <laughs> <laughs> you definitely will be doing a diaper a A deeper deeper dive. It's a diaper dash.
0: We're gonna do a diaper dash into these deeper dives. A (laughs) A lot of bloopers tonight, Josh. A lot of bloopers.
1: We're a little loopy. Good night. (laughs) No, we're not done. Good night. Good night. Sleep tight. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys be
0: sure to follow us on instagram our handle is at fireside phantoms if you have a spooky story you would like to share with us send it to fireside at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode